Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you truly this Christmas. And when I say blessing, I mean may you feel the pleasure of God, you know. May you feel that God's okay with you. He's running ahead of you. He's told angels to, to serve you. I, 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 my, when I say blessing, when I say I hope you feel blessed, I mean that you feel like heaven's got you backed up. Are you ready to listen to God's word? Now, my question as I prepared for this sermon was how, have you been watching the news? Have you been watching the news? Oh boy. And you know where I live? I live in Sukhdev Vihar. Yeah. I live right a kilometer away from Jamia. And all that's been happening right throughout the country. And where we are as a country, in terms of our politics, in terms of our people, our students, oh brother. And I'm thinking to myself, how can we celebrate Christmas when there is so much turmoil, so much pain, violence, darkness around? How do we celebrate Christmas when there is so much chaos? And the answer is easily. Why? Because what better time to celebrate hope than when there is hopelessness. You get what I'm saying? What better time to celebrate Christmas than when there's hopelessness? Because we celebrate the hope that God has brought. You know, light shines brightest in the dark. When it's darkest, the light shines the brightest. And that is why we must even more, it is of more urgency that we celebrate Christmas. More than ever before, the gift of Jesus to humanity is needed and welcome. Jesus brings hope, Jesus brings healing to every man, every family, every community, and every country. But how? How does Jesus do that? When Jesus was born, God the Father guided people to Jesus. You remember the stories? Okay, you remember this? There were the prophecies that this baby would be born. Herod was dead scared of those prophecies. Herod was scared of this prophecy. He's thinking, if the prophecy says, king, king is going to be born, king's going to come take my place. He knew that Jesus was coming. The wise men knew that Jesus was coming. They saw signs, they saw stars. The shepherds knew that Jesus was coming because he sent angels, because angels don't read texts. They don't listen to messages, they don't read texts, they don't, they're not into the scriptures, they're like, bah. So they have, angels had to come, okay, listen, people, listen. This is what's going to happen. A baby has been born. Whatever it took, you're not, you're, not, you're not getting me. Whatever it took to get people to come to Jesus, God the Father did that. So God the Father at Christmas didn't just send Jesus, he sent people to Jesus. And why did he send people to Jesus? Because this little baby was to go and going to grow up and bring those people back to God the Father. Did you get the math? Did you get the map? The is the triangle complete? So God sends Jesus and God sends all the other sources to send you to Jesus so that Jesus can send you back to the Father. All along, God wanted you. God wanted you. God wanted you. God the Father wants you. So he sent Jesus, then he sent you to Jesus, and then Jesus leads you back. That's how. That's how Jesus does it. Old prophecies, angels, signs, all pointed 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as they came, they received this Jesus. With faith, they received this Christ as one who is from God the Father. And then God did something powerful in their lives. You see, listen to me. Especially if you don't normally go to church or you know, you're not familiar with the Christian faith. Listen to this very carefully. Jesus did not only call people to faith. He didn't even start a religion. You know that? Jesus didn't even start. He did not call people only to faith. He calls people into a family. God the Father. Father, not king. Not tyrant. Not president. Father. And a father always calls children into a family. Are you getting this? So God sent Jesus and he calls through Jesus, you and me, into a family. So the faith that we have is not just about believing, it's about belonging. It's not just about changing habits, but it's about a hand to hold. God has called you to Jesus so that he may hold your hand through this life. You've gone through difficult times. People have messed with you. People have lied to you. People have hurt you. People have, have ripped from you. They've taken from you. They've used you. They've abused you. Some of you are even victims of child abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse. You've seen pain in your life. If nothing, you've seen people near you who've had pain in their life. And all around, since you were born, as you were growing up, you've seen pain. God sent Jesus, not just so that you can believe on him, so you can go to heaven in the future, but God sent Jesus so that you can come back to the Father and have a hand to hold as you walk through life. Not just faith, but family. Not just faith, but family. Not just belief, but belonging. A hand to hold. Not just habits to break. So God the Father sent Christ back to get us home, to bring us home, to lead us back home by the hand. See, when God loves, He doesn't send texts. When God gives, God doesn't just send you directions. Okay, you want to go to heaven? Go straight. And after 200 meters, as that Google lady says, after 200 meters, go straight. I'm like, I was already going straight. And then after that, you take a left. And in 300 meters, you slow down. Your destination is here. God doesn't send directions. He sends himself. He sends his presence. So in the beginning, he sent Jesus. And Jesus' name was Emmanuel. Correct? Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Not just for us, but God with us here. So people got that. In the early days, people got that. Wow, are you saying that this flesh and blood is God in heaven whom we never knew, never saw, didn't know how to relate to. He's right here with us. God is with us. Emmanuel. Jesus is with us. So as they received Christ, God did something powerful in his life. When God gives, he gives. He doesn't just send gifts. He gives himself. He gives himself. He gives his presence to us. I want you to look at that verse of scripture that I have given you in your brochure. Romans chapter 5, verse 3, 4, 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our sufferings produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And listen to this, watch this, okay? Underline it if you can. And hope does not put us to shame. Got that? Hope does not put us to shame. Then see what he says. He says, why does hope not put us to shame? Because God's love has been sprinkled. Yes? Sprinkled 
massaged, dollop, drop, poured. God's love has been poured out into our hearts. How? How has he poured? Was it water? Was it gas? Through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. He's also God. So God the Father gives Jesus. Jesus gives the Holy Spirit. And God gave Jesus to be with us. But God give, Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to be in us. It's not about faith. It's about family. Because when you say your family, you show up for Christmas. How many of you have flown back to Delhi to be with family? Come on, son, raise your hand. Anybody else? You've flown back to Delhi. Come on, all three hands. Come on. There's got to be more people. You've come back to Delhi to be with family. Why? Why did you bother? Because at Christmas time, at special times, if you say you're going to give a gift, you show up first yourself. God did that. God did that because it's not about religion. It's about the relationship. Religion is if we were guessing our way through it. Relationship is when we are led our way through it. Hope does not put us to shame. God's love is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. So God doses us up with the person. God doses us up with the person of the Lord Jesus. He pours the Holy Spirit into us. Is everybody with me? Is everybody okay? Not too cold? Okay. Okay, so the love of God is poured out into our heart. He sent Jesus to be with us, but he sends the spirit to be in us. When I was a little, uh, when I was in school, uh, I remember watching this little uh, experiment and the physics teacher was showing us how to get that cork, that piece of cork that is at the bottom of the bottle. You know, so he's trying to be all smart and the science kids are trying to be all smart and everything. And so how can you get this cork? Then he pours water into it and the cork comes out, it comes out all the way and like, yeah, see. That's a simple example that came to my mind. When God pours his love into your life, all the gunk, all the gunk, all the rubbish, all the unnecessary stuff is going to come to the top and flow over. Love poured out, crowds out. Love poured out, crowds out. When God comes into your life, He's so big, so loving, so peaceful, so gracious, so joyful, that everything else doesn't find space. Right now we're cleaning my life out, we're cleaning my junk out, we're cleaning my memories out, going to therapy, listening to this motivational speaker, that motivational speaker, reading these books, trying to you know, orchestrate and kind of organize my gunk. But when God comes into your life, like that water, it just kind of flushes out everything and cleans out everything and crowds out everything. God does that. God does that. So what happens when God's love comes into your life? What, what is the reality? What's the difference that happens to a person who lets God come in? Pour, pour, pour yourself out. Let me be filled with you. What's the difference? Is he very religious? Is that person extremely religious and all worshipy and constantly, you know, head in heaven, earth, uh, feet on earth kind of thing? No, no. Let me give you seven ways, seven ways, there's five plus two more. Seven ways that the love of God will completely change your life. Are you ready for this? Okay, your hands are too cold to take notes, so you download the, the audio. All right, number one. Let me tell you seven ways your life is filled with blessing when God comes into your life. Number one, it crowds out the self. It crowds out the self. He comes in and he nourishes me deeply. I don't have what it takes to nourish me. 
I don't even know what to tell myself. He nourishes me deeply. He heals me internally because he, when he comes into you, he remembers what you remember. He knows what you know. He remembers what happened when you were a kid, when you were going through those difficult times, those words your mother said, those, that breakup you had, the difficult period of, of health issues you had as you grew up, the horrible choices you've made, the crazy things you landed up doing because of your friends. He remembers all of it along with you and he crowds that out. He nourishes you deeply and he heals you internally. You don't go to therapy. He is the therapy. His presence is the therapy. Some of you think if I just get married, I'll become fine. That's what he's talking about. If you get him, you, you're going to be fine. He comes in and he completely fills us. The second thing that happens to a person when they receive God fully, when they receive God's spirit and believe in Christ, will crowd out hate, bitterness and self-pity. It crowds out hate, bitterness, and self-pity. There will be no space for that. You don't have to work it out. You don't have to think, who are the people that have done what? What do I need to forgive? What do I need? It will have no space. God will not allow that to persist in your life. It crowds out hate, bitterness, and self-pity. That pity party that you've been doing, everything that comes back to, oh, but, but what, you know, but what about me? But, but me, you know, then what about what will happen to me? That little drama that happens, morning, noon, and night, that goes. That's out. Because every, as you're pity partying over there, somebody taps you on the shoulder deep on the inside and says, Hello, here, let's party. I'm here. Everything's going to be fine. Everything, no, it's not about you. It's about me. Everything's going to be fine. We need that. We, that happens. Number two, it'll crowd out hate, bitterness, and self-pity. Number three, it'll fill the cracks of a broken heart. It'll fill the cracks of a broken heart. I'd love to ask you how many of you have broken hearts over here, but don't answer that. Okay, because I'd have to raise two hands. When, we fill, when our hearts are broken, something has to put it back together for it to work again. When our hearts are broken, something has to gel together, bring it back together to make it work again. Why does it need to work again? It needs to love again. That's why it needs to work again. It needs to trust again. That's why it needs to work again. It needs to be strong again. That's why it needs to work again. It needs to give life. That's why it needs, so it needs to work again. When it's broken, you feel there's no hope. But the presence of God fills the cracks of our heart. And it makes us whole again. So that we can love again, forgive again, and trust again. The fourth thing it does is it absorbs the pain from the past events and disappointments. It absorbs, he absorbs the pain. He takes the pain from you and he makes it his own. He absorbs it. He nails it to the cross and you can remember it, but you won't feel it. The fifth thing he does is he counsels you. He is the wonderful counselor. He says one of the names, he's a wonderful, he will counsel you back to sanity. He will counsel you back to innocence. He will help you, talk you through how to get out of the situation you've previously got yourself in. Number six, he will redefine your identity according to the father's love. According to the father's love. I was who I was because of my earthly father's love or my people's father's love or my popularity. But God, God's love for me redefines my self-worth and who I am. He redefines my identity in the father's love. Lastly, number seven. He will reset your panic button to sensitivity. 
He will reset your panic button to sensitivity. The sensitivity of your panic button, he will reset that with hope. You see, anytime something happens, each and every one of us has a trigger. There's a trigger we have. As soon as that happens, we give up hope. Are you with me? As soon as that happens, we give up hope. The moment we hear somebody say something specific, we give up hope. The moment we remember something, we give up hope. The, something, the moment something happens that is familiar to us from the past, we give up hope. That panic button that we hit, gone, finished. No, this, this is over. I can't take it anymore. This is, that panic button we hit, he resets that button. He resets that button so that that button doesn't work. Dabalo. Jitna dabana dabalo. And he will pour more hope. He will pour because hope doesn't disappoint when the father's love is poured out into us and you want to be hopeless but you'll get hope from him you want to give up but he won't let you give up you want to say it's the end he'll open the wall and make make roads in the desert he will not let you give up he's not saying he's going to give you an easy life he's going to he's saying that he'll be with you through that life because he's not called you to a religion, he's called you to a relationship. He's not called you to a faith, he's called you to a family. He's not called you to habits, he's called you to hand-holding. He wants to walk you through this. And I'm inviting some of you today who have never entered into that kind of a relationship with God. For you, God is up there. But if his spirit has been poured out into your heart, God needs to be here with you, inside you. And that relationship needs to begin today, the 25th of December, 2019. It will crowd out the self. It will crowd out hate. It will fill the cracks. It will absorb the pain. It will counsel us back. It will redefine our identity and it will reset our panic button. How do I do this? How do I understand the love of God outside of my human experience? I know mommy. I know daddy. I know cousins. I know friends, school friends, college friends, people. Some said they love me, then they left me. Some left me, then they loved me. I've had all sorts of human experiences. How do I understand a God love experience outside of my human experience? Let me explain. This is spiritual, not physical. Therefore, it's built on faith, not feeling. Did you get that? It is spiritual, not physical. Therefore, it is built on faith, not feelings. When you take that step of faith and you believe what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is claiming, what Jesus is calling, what Jesus is commanding. When you act on that, when you believe on that, when you act on that, that faith becomes family. So faith is only that first step. It's not faith all the way through. It's not guessing all the way through. Faith takes that first step and then you enter into family. That's how you do it. You live a life of faith. You live with people of faith. You live with habits of faith. And I will help you do that. I, in 2020, will help you do that. Our church, Covenant Life, will help you do that. We'll hold your hand and walk you through every step of the way. So the question is, how do I understand love outside of my human experience? I remember it is spiritual, not physical. How do I receive this love? How do I receive this love? His presence... His presence is what he has given to me. So when you have somebody with you, listen to me, when somebody is with you, somebody goes to the mall with you, somebody goes on a date with you, thank you, Beta. somebody goes to the mall with you, somebody goes on a date with you, somebody travels with you, then you begin to ask that person, what do you want? I'm getting a coffee. What would you like? I'm going down uh, I'm going to sit down. Would you like to come sit with me? You, you begin to travel together. You get this? You get this? This togetherness is what our faith is about. You start doing life with God. 
And how do you do this? How do you receive? How? You understand that his presence also means he wants something. And then the question, the big question you have to come to terms with is, in this relationship, who's more important? Who has the last word? Who is going to have the last say in this relationship? And I have given that say to Jesus. And in 37 years, he has not let me down. In 37 years, it has been absolutely worth it. At 17 years of age, I did that to him, for him. So you let him know, you, you, you ask him, what is he going through? What does he want? What does he want in my life? What does he enjoy? What pleasures him the most? One last question. How do I get over my need for other loves? You say the love of God? Yes, yes, I want the love of God. Oh, absolutely. But I also want her love. And while I'm having her love, I want her, her love also. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah? And I want their love. And I, how can I get rid of other loves and be satisfied with this one love? As I read the word, the word of God, and as I grow strong, I, I, I grow strong in who I am and how loved I am. And as I become so confident and so satisfied with who I am, how loved I am, I erase the need for the love of anybody else. You're saying, but Pastor Jeremy, that's just a bit, you know, sadistic. I mean, why would you not live? God has given us interdependence. Yeah, 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 he's given us interdependence. But you will not need it. You will not need it. You'll be able to love without the need to be loved back. You'll be able to forgive without the need to be forgiven back. You'll be able to give without the need to be given back. Your, your relationships will not be contractual. It may be consensual, but God will make it consecrational. Not contractual, may be consensual, definitely consecrational. Consecration is the way God gives with absolutely no expectation back. That's why he gave it to you 2019 years ago. Almost 2020 years ago, he gave his life for you with no proof that you might give it back to him. So how do I understand this love outside of my human experience? Spiritual, not physical. How do I receive this love? I allow him as a person into my life and begin to give devotion to his will, give place to his will, give credence to his will. How do I get over other people's loves? By reading the word and listening to what he's saying about what he thinks about me and how much he loves me. And then he erases my need for the love that comes from broken people, for the love that comes from broken people, from fame, from possessions, from recognition. He erases the need for that. I don't become hungry. I don't go through life hungry. Oh, look at me. Uh, 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 take photographs of me. Or oh, oh, remember me. Or oh, recognize me. Or oh, clap for No, I, I leave it. I walk away from it. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. Let me close. Let me close. There's celebration in heaven and on earth. On Christmas, listen to me. There is celebration on earth on the day Christ was given to us. On earth. There is celebration on earth the day Christ was given to us. But there is also celebration in heaven. There is celebration in heaven on the day you receive him. So the day Jesus came to earth was Christmas. We celebrate that. But the day heaven rejoices is when you receive him as who he is, as Savior. Would you like to receive Christ, God's gift? into your life and allow him to replace everything and everyone else so that you can be everything you were meant to be. I repeat, 
Would you like to receive Christ, God's gift, into your life and allow him to replace everything and everyone else so that you can become everything you were meant to be? Read that second passage of scripture as we close. Down below, on your notes, there's a second passage of scripture that says, Revelation 3.20. 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Who knocks? Those who want to come in. If anyone hears my knocking, hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. This is not religion. This is not religion. This is a relationship. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. You see, the winning is beginning. The winning is beginning. As I, have, I, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. So he has the authority from the father to get victory into your life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. You need to decide today whether Christ's claims Christ's presence, Christ's promises will be the biggest voice in your head. If you're going to allow that to happen, you need to let him in. Some of you are Christian by name. Some of you are Christian by name. That means you were brought up in a Christian family. You were brought up to church. You kept coming to Christmas and Easter and everything. But you never acknowledged that Jesus was sent for me and I receive him. When I receive him in faith, his spirit is placed in me and his spirit in me then begins to transform my life. Heal me, sustain me, charge me, recharge me. He says, I will grant him. I will grant him. Take a moment to think about what I'm saying to you. This is not just a Christmas service. I'm asking you to make a life change decision. And I would like you to do that somewhere in your quiet moments as you seek God. As you seek, can I ask the choir to join me please? Somewhere as you seek God. You see, I did it myself. My father's a pastor, I come from a Christian family, but I did it myself. I myself came to the realization when I was a young boy that Christ did this for me. That Christ did this for me. And he, he came and he died for I want to sing you a song that says all of that. But listen to the words of this song and it will help you get what I'm trying to say. beheld a lonely man come down from heaven's glory to an earthly realm destined to become the sacrifice for man he walked that rugged road he paid the price he bore the pain it was I, it was I free the price was paid it was i it was i
and to die is gain because Jesus never stayed dead but he rose again sometimes I fall in sin but when I confess he forgives me in his love he cleans my heart restores his name 